Hey, Pastor Bobby here. I'm so glad you're joining us to hear what God is sharing with our community here at Chapel. And I pray, I am praying right now for you, that this message will bless you. It'll be an inspiration to you. It will challenge you to be who God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do. And so as we jump into the message, I pray that you open up your mind to God's word, open up your heart to God's spirit, and watch the two come together to bring a supernatural miracle in your life. So let's jump into what God is speaking to us right now. Numerous angels singing over the shepherds, singing over Jesus. And when you read the Bible, you cannot read the Bible without seeing angels from beginning to end. In Genesis, angels protect the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword. You go throughout the rest of the Bible, angels, 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 Christmas, angels, angels, Revelation, angels come and kick butt and take names. There's over 300 references to angels in the Bible, 175 in the New Testament alone. 90% of the books of the Bible reference or discuss or talk about angels. Yet, we in the church do not talk about them very much. And I think it's because we bought into the secular version of angels where we think of angels as little fat babies wearing diapers with wings, with a harp and a halo. Their wings are way too small to lift up a fat little baby. But yet we think angels are cupids flying around because we've let society downplay a supernatural reality. And that's what society culture does. When there's something that's an actual supernatural reality, culture will take that and they make it juvenile or cartoonish enough to make it seem false. And once it happens, then believers get afraid to discuss supernatural things because the world has made it seem mystical or like a fable. But in this story of, of Jesus, angels were everywhere. Their study, 70% of people, Americans, believe in angels, yet only 50% of Americans are Christians. So there's 20% that don't believe in God, yet believe in angels. That's crazy. 66% of believers claim to have had an encounter with an actual angel. So it's happening. There's angels around us, just most people aren't willing to admit it. Here's some of the way the angels protected Jesus. One, an angel promised the birth and ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus. An angel actually named Jesus for Mary and Joseph. An angel told Mary she was chosen to be Jesus' virgin mother. An angel told Mary and Joseph to parent Jesus. Another angel told Joseph not to leave Mary for it was God's baby. Angels told the shepherds Jesus was born. Angels worshiped Jesus at his birth. Angels warned Jesus' parents of the coming genocide so they could flee to Egypt. Angels strengthened Jesus after his temptation battle with Satan. An angel strengthened Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross. An angel rolled away the stone from Jesus' tomb. An angel told two women at the empty tomb that Jesus had risen. Two angels comforted Mary Magdalene and reunited her with Jesus. And another angel promised that Jesus to be coming again. That's just a small glimpse into the life of Jesus and the angels roll in it. Like angels were everywhere at the Christmas story. And I think the point that we've lost as a culture, especially as a church, is that there's actually two realms, but one reality. There's a spiritual unseen realm, then there's a physical seen realm. You have two realms, but they interact to cause one reality for every single person created and living. One reality 
two different realms. The problem is we as people tend not to believe what we cannot see. If we can't see it, we don't believe it. And if we don't believe it, we can't take in the resources that were designed to bring to us through supernatural means. The reason for that, the Bible is a supernatural book. Like you cannot read the Bible and not come away with a supernatural, an unseen realm, an unseen, invisible, supernatural realm that is at play. Heaven is part of the unseen supernatural realm. Like it is there, but the problem happens, we have bought into society and academia and science where we think if it's not proven by the scientific method, then it can't be true. And what that means, the scientific method, for those of you that forgot because you haven't been in school in a long, 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 long time, scientific method is this. It's where if something happens, you take it and you try to duplicate it numerous times in a controlled environment. The problem with that is in life, there's no such thing as a controlled environment. If you have kids, you know there's no such thing as a controlled environment. It is chaos. Science says, let's remove all the other variables, let's control the environment, and let's duplicate this over and over again. Then it can be true. The problem with that, supernatural things only happen one time. You can't duplicate something supernatural. You can't say, well, you know, I don't believe there was a flood because I didn't see it. Let's try it again. And then you say, let's build an ark and let's just test it out again. It doesn't work. Supernatural means it happened one time. Jesus was dead, buried, and resurrected. You can't take that into an environment, a controlled environment, and do it again. When things are supernatural, they cannot be proven by the scientific method, but it does not mean they aren't true. I would say the unseen realm is actually more true than the physical because all this passes away at some point. In the first century, or I think the third century, Sendarius was this physician who was an atheist, who was a naturalist. He meant naturalist means that you believe only the natural things are real. There is no unseen realm. So he was persecuting the church. He was with St. Augustine. St. Augustine was one of the great fathers and theologians of the early church. And Sendarius says, I just don't believe any of this stuff. Only natural things are, are real. And, like, your body is flesh. When it dies, it's dead. So St. Augustine tried to prove to him the supernatural realm. Some few nights later, Sendarius has a dream in his sleep. And in this dream, an angel takes him out of the city. He sees the city overlooking it and he hears a, a choir of angels singing some of the most beautiful music he'd ever heard. He woke the next morning and he went to see St. Augustine. He said, I had this dream. And St. Augustine said, it's proof that there is an unseen realm. He says, no, 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 it's not, it's not true. It's just a dream, it's just a vision. He said, but did you hear music? Sendarius said, yes, I heard music. He said, but if you were asleep, what did you hear the music with? Your ears were asleep. So you had to have heard them with a sense that's not physical, that is supernatural. So he said, no, that can't be true. The next night, an angel came to him in his sleep and again took him out to the same spot. He heard the music again and he said, the angel told him, he said, what are you hearing the music with? He says, not my ears. And the angel said, exactly. And just like when you're asleep, things are happening. When you die, things happen the exact same way. At that moment, Sendarius, who was a persecutor of the church, gave his life to Jesus and became one of the prominent figures in his area for the gospel. There is an unseen realm that is at play. And I believe that unseen realm has more to do with what's going on in your life 
than the physical realm does. And I believe there's times in life and in, in scripture that God gives us a glimpse into this unseen realm. When you read the Bible, you read Genesis, there's a look into the unseen realm. Genesis 28, Jacob and his ladder or the stairway to heaven for all you Southern rock fans. He's laying there, he's in a bad part of life. His brother's trying to kill him. He's depressed, he's broken, he's poor, he's a runaway, he's a rebel. He's basically a convict. And he finds himself on the backside of the desert, he lays down, places the head upon a stone because he didn't have a pillow. And as he goes to sleep, God pulls back this curtain between this natural realm and the supernatural realm, between the seen realm and the unseen realm. And God pulls it back. This man who had been running from, from God, running from everything, who was broken, who probably didn't think God was working and God was doing what God was supposed to be doing, God pulls it back and he sees this ladder. And this ladder stretches from earth all the way to heaven. And on this ladder, it said, he said angels were going up and down, up and down this ladder from heaven to earth, back and forth. And God showed him this glimpse of just because you don't see God working, doesn't mean God is not working. Then you go into the Christmas story, you see God working, those angels coming down from heaven to protect baby Jesus, to communicate messages to Mary and Joseph and to do all these things. Then you see in the book of Revelation, again, this glimpse into the spiritual realm around us. There is a spiritual realm that is vitally important to your spiritual life. You are a supernatural being in a natural body. You are a spiritual being in a natural body. And angels were created by God, want to assist him in fulfilling his plans and purposes here on earth, but also in to help fulfill the needs of his children. Meaning angels are these created beings, they're spiritual beings that are going up and down this ladder all the time, bringing heaven down to earth, bringing help from God's throne to your life, protecting you, guiding you, speaking to you, communicating to you, taking care of you. And sometimes God will give you a little glimpse into that spiritual realm to see that just because you can't see God working doesn't mean he's not working on your behalf. And Christmas is a great time after 400 years of silence from God. Believers praying, looking for Messiah, thinking maybe God's not listening, maybe God's not working. This Christmas story just peels back this curtain or this veil you see. Man, even in those 400 years, God has been allowing angels, sending them back and forth, back and forth, helping his children accomplish his purposes here on earth. Angels are supernatural spiritual beings created by God to serve you. They are working for you. They are protecting you. They are guiding you. They are guarding you. They're influencing you all because they're trying to bring heaven down to God's earth through your life. Billy Graham, Baptist evangelist, has had an encounter with angels. Many believers have had encounter with angels through car accidents, through near-death experiences, through times in life you needed guidance. Sometimes it's through a person, sometimes it's through a spiritual being. Angels have been active since the beginning of time to help God accomplish his purpose in and through you. Even a couple years ago, we're talking in our pre-service meeting, and I haven't really shared this with many people, but it was October, I put it in my, my little journal, October 27th, 2017. 
I've been in a season of prayer and fasting. And we were in worship service. I was sitting right there where I was sitting. We're in worship. Worship just started. And somebody tapped me on my shoulder. And I looked around, and no one was sitting beside me. No one was in that pew. No one was around me. And Toya wasn't there because she comes into church a little bit late sometimes. I looked around. Nobody sitting behind me because y'all all come into church a little bit late. So I'm in worship. My eyes are closed. Somebody touched me. I'm like, who touched me? I'm looking around, and, you know, RJ's not hiding beneath the pew. And so I'm like, what? So I close my eyes. I'm going to begin worship. And again, I feel that this time when I felt, it felt the weight of somebody's hand on my shoulder. And when I felt it, I felt this cool calmness come upon my body. And as I did, I just closed my eyes and I heard God tell me, I've anointed you. I've now anointed you to be the pastor and the voice of this house. After two and a half years of being here, almost three years of being here. And it was a moment in life where I needed to know, God, am I where I'm supposed to be? And God sent an angel to touch me and to speak truth into me, to keep me guided in the right direction. Mark Driscoll, a reformed pastor, Calvinist pastor, whatever term you wanna use, he was talking about a story, he wrote this book called Win Your War, Spiritual Warfare Book, and in the process of writing, he got away and he was on a kind of a prayer trip type deal, and he was sitting out at a park and he'd been praying and there's some kids playing at the park, he just prayed, God, I just really need some insight, if, whatever you wanna share with me, share with me, speak to me. He's sitting there, and with this group of kids, there's one little girl that had a physical, deformity. She was handicapped. And about eight or nine years old, she kept just looking at Mark. And Mark is just praying. And the girl keeps looking at him. He's like, it's really awkward. It's like, they're all playing. She's just looking at me. All of a sudden, all the other kids kind of go on to play somewhere else. And she just makes a beeline for Mark. And she walks up to Mark. And he said, she spoke like a grown woman. And she said, said, you don't know me, but God sent me to you to give you a message. Eight or nine year old girl, handicapped girl. This is, this is a reformed guy. This is a word of word guy. This is not a charismatic Pentecostal guy. And she said, I, God wants you to know that there's been many people praying for you and that God still believes in you and still called you to ministry. And he told me to give you this message. I give, every, I give one message to one person every single day. And this is the message. She handed him a piece of paper. He took the paper, opened it up. It was a scripture that was the foundational scripture to the book he was writing as confirmation to write the book. He folded up the paper, looked back up, the girl was gone. And I would say many of you have, inter have had interactions with spiritual beings that God used to get you on the right path or to keep you on the right path to fulfill his purpose for your life. And so angels are not God, they're creator, they're not eternal. And here's some, a quick little thing about them. Angels can be visible or invisible, but they're not omnipresent, meaning they can't be everywhere at all times. They are either in heaven or on earth. They're moving back and forth. God is omnipresent. God can be anywhere at any moment. He is everywhere at all times. But angels are invisible and visible. They can take on human form or spiritual form. There was one person in this church told me years ago, he first transitioned here, that his daughter had seen an angel in the church years ago, but hadn't seen the angel in many years. And she came, she's from out of town, came back into town, and during worship, she saw an angel at the back of the sanctuary. And as she saw the angel, she had a vision of a lot of people leaving the church during the transition time. But at the same time, she saw the church being flooded by a whole nother younger generation flooding in. There's times you'll see a spiritual being as an angel. Sometimes they'll take on human form. Hebrews 13, two says, some of you have entertained angels unaware saying be hospitable, meaning be nice to people you don't know, be nice to people that don't look like you, be nice to people that don't fit into your, your circle because God may be sending an angel to bring resources from heaven into your life. I tell our staff, we had a, 
situation probably about a year ago where there's somebody in the church I thought it was a security threat and they, they're all jumping on their security thing like we need to do this. I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. We're a church. We're not a prison. We're a church. It's ministry first. Maybe, because I've seen this, maybe God is sending somebody to test our love more than our security protocol. Maybe God is sending somebody that doesn't look like they belong to check and see if we're welcoming strangers because it may be an angel God is sending to bring a resource to our church. For you, maybe the person you walk across, the homeless person on the sidewalk, maybe that was an angel placed there by you or placed there by God to direct you or guide you or bring a message into your life. But if you're not hospitable to them, maybe you miss the blessing. I would guarantee almost everyone in this room has had an encounter with an angel and you're not even aware of it. Somebody who encouraged you, somebody who strengthened you, somebody who spoke life to you, somebody who gave you guidance or direction, somebody who gave you wisdom when you needed it, somebody who protected you at a moment. It could have been a firefighter or a policeman that God used them as an angel to guide you or protect you or take care of you. Maybe, just maybe, you've encountered one on your own. Angels are also powerful, but they're not omnipotent. The Bible describes them as archangels, which is commanders, warriors. They're powerful. They're more powerful than we are. They're here to move heaven and earth, but they're not as powerful as God. They're also intelligent and wise, but they're not all knowing. They have revelation. They can help you discern things, but they're not all knowing. But they're here to influence you for heaven's purposes. What that means is angels are here to help you move in the direction God wants you to go. They're here to help make sure God's plan unfolds the way God wants his plan to unfold. And they're here to take care of you to get you from here all the way through your life to finish your race and get into heaven. They are here. There's a whole realm that you don't see that is real. And if you could peel back that curtain of your life, I promise you, you would see moments of angels descending from heaven into your life to take care of you. You'd see moments where angels descended from heaven down into your life to protect you when you probably needed to be protected. Sometimes protecting you from yourself, sometimes protecting you from harm or from the enemy, but they're coming back and forth down in your life the moment you're complaining to God. God, what are you doing? Where are you at? Why are you not working? Where moments, if you could peel it back, you'd see God was working the whole time, sending resources on your behalf. They're there to influence you. In Revelation chapter 12, this is a scenario in heaven at the beginning of time. It says, now a war rose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Where were they thrown down to? Earth. This war breaks out in heaven. God's angels, the other angels, one group, God's angels are worshiping him. The other angels don't want to worship him because they want their own kingdom. So this tells you that no matter what your background, and I said this in first, spiritual people, Pentecostal people, charismatic people, that all they want to do is worship, worship. We just need to get people in the presence of the Lord. We need to get them in the presence of God. And if we can just get in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy, there's happiness, there's peace. That'll solve all the problems. Well, the problem with this scripture is they were in the presence of God, but their war broke out. You can actually be in a church with the presence of God and a war break out between families and people. Because the problem is not the presence of God. The problem is how you respond to the presence of God. 
Half the angels, or two-thirds of the angels, responded with worship. God is the king. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The third of the angels said, why are we worshiping God when we can be doing something better with our time? Why am I at church when I, I could be at home watching the, the Titans get beat again? Why, why are we at church when I, I could? So the response is either you're going to be a worshiper or a warrior against God. There is no in-between. Like there is no neutral ground when it comes to the presence of God. Either you're engaged in worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, or you're sitting back criticizing those who are. This war breaks out, and all of a sudden, a third of the angels are kicked out of heaven. Now they're demons. And it's amazing to me that many of us in church, well, we believe more in demons than we do angels. But there's two-thirds of them are angels, a third of them are demons. We spend more time with a third than we do the two-thirds. And as war breaks out, now there's a war happening, not in heaven, but here on earth, happening around you. Happening around you. This same war from Revelation 12 is now happening all around you, your family, your life, your plan, your purpose, your dreams, your destiny, your hope, your joy, everything. You have these two battles fighting. Angels are wanting to bring heaven down to earth. The presence of God down to earth. Messages from heaven down to earth. The joy of heaven down to earth. And you have all these fallen angels, these demons trying to bring hell up to earth. Hell into your life. Fear into your life. Depression into your life. Anxiety up into your life. There's this battle and earth is the battleground. And they're trying to influence you for one purpose or the other. Angels trying to influence you for heaven's purposes. The demons trying to influence you for hell's purposes. And some of you, to be honest, you've been a greater utensil and tool and resource for hell than you have heaven. And it's because you've allowed the wrong angels to influence your life and move you in the wrong direction. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Meaning that war is now going on. The problem that you're facing is not a natural problem. It's a spiritual problem. The problems that you're facing in your marriage aren't a, aren't a seen problem. They're an unseen problem. We deal with the natural causes of things. God deals with the spiritual root. And my fear is as church people, in order to be more accepted by the world, we focus more on the natural than the supernatural. And what that means is we'll teach you how to have a better life, how to follow your dreams, your purposes, how to have a better marriage, how to do this, da 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 But we don't hit the spiritual root of telling you, hey, you're being influenced by the wrong spirits. There's a spiritual problem and you're not dealing with the spiritual problem. It's almost like the cartoons when I was growing up, they'd show you a, a devil on one side and an angel on the other. And like the devil's trying to get you to do the, the prank against so-and-so or do something bad or wrong. The angel's trying to get you to do something right. See, the world took that again and made it elementary or juvenile. But in the same way, you have these spiritual forces trying to influence your life one way or the other. And when you're unaware of what's going on, you'll go to your default, which is probably to the wrong side. In learning to focus your attention 
on what God desires and trust God in moments where it seems chaotic and stressful is where you'll find angels descending down to help you. The book, The Piercing Darkness and The Present Darkness by Frank Preddy will open up your eyes tremendously. They're fiction books. They'll open up your eyes to this whole unseen realm that is affecting your life that you haven't tapped into yet. And my prayer is that you'll realize that there's a spiritual realm where 99% of your problems are rooted in And if you begin dealing with the spiritual side and trusting God with the spiritual side, you'll see that make a difference in the physical side. That you'll become a supernatural person rather than just a natural person. Because you can't fight spiritual forces with natural resources. You can only fight spiritual resources or warriors or wars with spiritual resources. I want to give you three ways that angels are working for you. Touch your neighbor and say, angels are working for you. Spiritual beings created by God are ascending and descending back and forth from heaven to earth to work for you. They're trying to help you. And number one is this. Angels are spiritual messengers who communicate God's purposes and plans to us. The word angel in the New Testament actually means messenger, meaning they're bringing down from heaven some message from God to you. In Daniel chapter 10, I want to read this scripture. It says, behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, everybody say first day. The first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. The first day he prayed, God heard his prayer. Some of y'all need to hear this. You've been complaining and you've been upset and frustrated with God because you prayed and you feel like he has not heard you. And you've actually turned away from God because you think he's a God that doesn't listen. I'm here to tell you, this scripture tells you the moment you cry out, the moment you pray, God hears your prayers. You don't have to convince God. It's not a closed heaven. It's not something where you got to manipulate and try to get God's attention. He is looking and listening for every one of his children to pray, to speak, to ask, to knock. And the scripture says, as soon as you prayed, God heard your prayers. He said, the words you have been heard and have come because of your words. The prince of the king of Persia withstood me 21 days, which is a demonic force, the kingdom of Persia. But Michael, one of the chief princes or archangels, came to help me for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days for the vision is for days yet to come. What is going on is this huge battle ensues. Daniel's on earth. He's praying for spiritual revelation for what he should do with his life. Spiritual revelation of how to lead his people while they're in captivity. He prays, our prayers go to heaven. God hears his prayer in heaven the first day. God answers his prayer, begins to send his answered prayer with an angel messenger from heaven down that little ladder, down to earth to answer for Daniel. The problem was that there was some opposition along the ladder. The angels are trying to get there to tell Daniel, these demonic angels, demonic forces begin to stop these other messengers. Tell them, listen, no, you can't get this because they know that answered prayer is value to your faith. That when God answers your prayer, it builds your faith up. So they said, we cannot let this prayer get answered. 
So Daniel in this story is fasting for 21 days. He's fasting and praying. I believe as he fasts and he prays, God starts to send more angels to fight off the demonic forces. I believe the more people you have praying for whatever you need prayer for, the more you pray, the more angels are released to make sure that message gets from heaven to earth. That answer prayer may become through God's word, through revelation, through what you're reading God's word, and you're like, ah, that's what I should do. Or man, I didn't realize that maybe I need to change this or change that. Maybe through somebody else sharing a word of encouragement, maybe through dreams or visions, maybe through the pulpit, because the church says there's an angel in every church. Maybe God is trying to get the answer to you, but maybe you haven't prayed long enough or enough to help your angels get the message down. That's why I believe 21 days of prayer and fasting helps that breakthrough, helps break those messages through from heaven to earth. That's why in January, we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting because I believe everybody needs a breakthrough of some sort. And when you put yourself in a position to request something from God and then try to break through the spiritual realm and let that come down to earth, it brings what you need. And angels are the ones that bring the answers to your prayers. Two, angels are spiritual beings that help guard you and guide you through life. They, they go, whether it's guardian angels, I don't know if everybody has a guardian angel. If I do, mine is worn out and tired by now. Psalms 91 says he gives command over his angels to watch over us. And you read that whole chapter, the whole chapter is about protecting and guiding from sickness and disease and from poverty and all these things. There's guardian angels. Do I know if it's the same angel? I don't know, but I do know God, take, God takes care of his kids. God takes care of his kids. And that guardianship, that, that protection can be in different ways. In Acts chapter 12, it's Peter, he's locked in prison. And he's in prison and about midnight, he gets, somebody pokes him, wakes him up, hits him. It's an angel and, and his chains fall off. The doors of the prison open up. He starts getting led out of the prison. And he says, I don't realize, I don't know if it's a vision or if it's an angel. But they hit a gate, the gate opens up on its own. He realizes it's an angel, the angel leaves him. God will use angels to deliver you from situations you probably shouldn't be delivered from. Whether it's a car accident, whether it's a deathbed, whether that's a, a scenario you turned away from God and you were going the wrong direction and angels just kept staying by your side, protecting you, letting you get far, but not too far away. Angels are there to guard you and guide you, protect you from every single attack of the enemy who wants to destroy you, who wants to kill you, who wants to steal God's purpose from you and wants to influence you towards hell rather than heaven. And thirdly, angels are there to serve you to fulfill God's purposes. It's amazing to me in this scripture, I read it earlier this year and it, it rocked me because I'd read this scripture. It doesn't fit in Hebrews chapter one at all. Hebrews chapter one is a very theological chapter. Then it gets to this, this whole, the last part of chapter one where it talks about Jesus is higher than the angels. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is greater than the angels. And the verse 14 says this, but are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation, meaning different translations, that's angels. Are they not all angels sent out to serve us? Like you, you are the, those who inheriting salvation. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, you're inheriting the salvation of Jesus. And the scripture said there's angels sent by God to serve 
you. Meaning God has all these angels in heaven that could be worshiping him, crying out over him, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He says, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Worship is great, but what I really want is for y'all to leave heaven and go to earth and serve my children. I've got sons that need help. I've got daughters that need help. You need help. And God is saying, I'm sending resources from heaven down to earth to make sure my kids have everything they need to be who I've called them to be. It looks different ways. I don't know how all it works. But I do know that God believes in you enough to send spiritual help your way. And I believe he's sending that in encouragement. I believe it's, it's strength. You see Jesus in Matthew chapter four, he goes through a season of temptation, a season of fasting. He's, he's weakened in his body. An angel shows up and brings him food and water and takes care of him. Elijah battles the prophets of Baal and an angel comes and takes care of him physically. Sometimes it's through guidance. You see Peter, he's guided to the eunuch in the desert to fulfill God's purpose for him. Literally the angel says, don't go this way, go that way. Sometimes it's you going the right direction based on the GPS of an angel. But the reality is this, God has angels working for you to speak to you the messages of God, to guard you and protect you, but also to serve you. I don't know what this scripture is, but I, I've been sitting on the scripture all year. I've texted numerous other pastors, people farther along than me, and I'm asking, what does this mean? Someone said, listen, you should pray that God releases angels over your family, over your friends, over your church, because they're submitted to you. This scripture, this word serving, actually means special service. It's only used one time in the entire Bible. That's how special this ministry is of angels, that the word is only used one time, like a special agent. When I was in the Air Force, when a situation happened overseas in the Middle East, and they wouldn't let any military intelligence people over there. And so we had an email come through our office asking for volunteers to go on a special mission. As special agents, you take off your military uniform and you put on ATF or FBI uniforms. I thought, sign me up. And they overlooked me because my rank wasn't high enough. And it made me think of the scripture that God dresses angels up in a different uniform to come into your life to help accomplish his mission in and through you. Angels can't make anything happen. They can't make you do something. But they're to influence you and to help you and serve you in natural and supernatural ways. Billy Graham shared a story from Reader's Digest, which is not the most spiritual publication in the world, but it's a story of this doctor in Philadelphia back in the early 1900s. Had a long day back when they used to do house calls. Long day, it's a snowstorm outside. Comes home, he lays down, and here's a knock on the door, just a... Gets up, he opens the door, he's, he's just deadbeat tired, and this little girl, about 10 years old, is at the door. There's a snowstorm going on. He said, hey, I really need you to come check on my mom. My mom's not doing well at all. Can you follow me home and I'll show you where to go? And he, he didn't want to go, but he decided to go. Gets dressed again. It's late at night. He follows this little girl through the snow. She's sopping wet. They get to the house. She leads her back to her mom's room. And her mom's back there. The doctor, who's a neurologist, is checking on her. And she was like moments away from death. The doctor begins treating her. She's starting to come to just a little bit. And the doctor starts telling him, he's like, man, your daughter's very mature. 
He's like, most girls her age would never be able to walk that far and to find a doctor and be brave enough to go in the cold and the snow and do that. He said, sir, I don't have a daughter here. He said, no, she, she came and got me and brought me here. She said, no, no, no. He said, no, she was wearing this outfit. She said, no, my daughter died months ago. And he said, her, her belongings are in the closet. And he went to the closet and in that closet was the jacket and the boots that the girl was wearing. And they were dry as dry could be, had not been in the snow. I'm here to tell you that in the moments of life where you feel like God is not working, God is working. And if you look back upon your life and you peeled back that, that curtain between the spiritual and the, and the supernatural or in the natural, and you looked, I promise you, you'd see moments that don't make sense naturally. That was God releasing something from heaven into your life to get you to the next season. And Christmas is one of the greatest evidences of this veil being poured, pulled back. So you can see that there's a whole realm that's affecting what's going on in this realm. Our problems aren't flesh and blood. Our politics, those problems aren't flesh and blood. Our wars, those problems aren't flesh and blood. They're all spiritually influenced by one part or the other. When we pray, we're releasing angelic influences into the world and Holy Spirit influences in the world. When we sit back and complain, we're releasing demonic influences into the world. In your life, when you pray, you're receiving those spiritual blessings and those things are happening. You're releasing angels all over the place. But when you don't pray, you fall back to your default, which instead of worshiping God, you're a warrior against his purposes. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I just want to pray for you just for a moment today. And my prayer, even as I was preparing this message, not knowing how to end, my, my prayer is this that as people, we can quit trusting in the natural and start trusting in the supernatural. I know that some of you in this room, you think, well, this is just, this is just stupid talk. Like this is not, da, da, da. and you come from a very naturalistic point of view. I'm here to tell you that when you get to heaven, you're gonna be amazed at how supernatural it is. And I just wanna encourage you, I, I pray that you're awakened to the reality that there's more to life than what you see. And that God has released, he has created spiritual beings to serve you, to guard you, to protect you, and to be the bridge between the natural and the supernatural in your life. To be the bridge from the seen and the unseen. And every once in a while they'll break in and you'll, they'll be visible and you'll see them. And it's those moments that encourage you and strengthen your faith that God, even though you can't see him, is there with you. In those moments that you're frustrated that God's not working or not working fast enough or God's not answering prayer, that you can see a glimpse into the supernatural and realize that God is working even when you don't see him working. That the moment you pray, God answers. That begins the warfare. What will your attitude be during the battle? Will it be one of God has already answered, I'm waiting in faith? Or will it be one of complaining and, and pushing back and not trusting God who's trying to send help your way. Some of you needs to awaken a heart of gratitude for seasons of your life. For me, it's, it's seasons I turned away from God and God never let me get too far. He had his angels that stayed with me and protected me in moments that I should not have made it. Some of you had moments that you should not have made it. It is not coincidence. 
It's God protecting you to bring you to a place to fulfill your purpose as his son or his daughter. Some of you, you're waiting on answers to prayers. God wants to encourage you that the message is on its way down. Some of you, you're weakened. Your bodies are weakened. Your bones are weary. Your spirit is getting fatigued. I'm praying that you realize God is sending resources from heaven through spiritual beings to encourage your soul, to strengthen your flesh, to bring healing to your body so you can finish your race well. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for glimpses into the supernatural. Father, this Christmas season, we thank you for the natural. We thank you for family. We thank you for gifts. We thank you for food. We thank you for tradition. Father, we thank you for all the memories. But Father, I pray this Christmas is a supernatural Christmas that you allow for us to realize that everything you do starts in the unseen realm and then you bring it into the seen realm. Father, I pray for every person in this room that's been dealing with problems and marriages and finances and family and in jobs and in careers and finances. Father, I pray that you awaken them to the reality that the problem is not in the natural, the problem is in the spiritual. Father, help them identify the spiritual calls and bring the answer from the spiritual into the natural. Father, we thank you for this house. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your champions that are all throughout this church, serving in kids ministry, serving as ushers and greeters and parking lot and worship and media. But we thank you for using them to create an atmosphere where you can move in the lives of your people. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you keep trying to deal with the natural cause of things in your life, and every time you try to change something, every time you try to fix something, it gets much worse as you try to fix it yourself. The problem is you're trying to bring a natural solution to a spiritual problem. And even Jesus said, Jesus said, you're born of the flesh, you need to be born again and be born of the spirit. Because when you're born of the flesh, your father is the father of lies, which is Satan, which means you're on the wrong side of the equation. The only way to move to the other side of the equation to be influenced by the spiritual angels and not the demons is to be born of the spirit and have a new father who's perfect in every way, whose mercy is renewed every single morning, whose love endureth forever, who's your eternal father. And the only way for him to be your father is to be born again. Let one life die and be born again in the spirit. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've been trying, to, trying everything you can to fix your life and to fix your outcome and to fix everything. And you come to a place you realize it's a spiritual root. You need to change and solve this problem on the spiritual side. If that's you, say, you know what? Today's my day. I just want to be born again. I want God to give me a new life. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up right where you are. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? You put your hands down. Father, we thank you for new life. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us, that cleanses us, that makes us brand new creatures. And Father, we want to live worthy of the cost of grace. Father, free to us, but expensive to you. Father, I pray for every person that raised their hand, that Father's repentance settles in their heart. You created them a new heart, not of stone, but of flesh, one that can hold and be a home to your very spirit. And Father, you can use them and mold them and shape them into the image of your son. And Father, take them from here and let them live lives that glorify you in everything they do. In Jesus' name, amen.